of her mother's reply, but had not been able to distinguish the words. "'Yes, of course I knew,' the squire said by way of answer. "'Your father paid me to marry you, didn't he? Well, it wasn't enough for such a poor bargain.' From that day on, Jessie resolved that she would never again call the squire father. It was after this that he began to disappear to London on more frequent visits. It was much more agreeable when he was away, because there was no shouting, and Mamma smiled more and talked to her about things instead of crying all the time. Mr. Warburton did return occasionally, but never for long, and when he went away again, some painting or ornament always went with him. Jessie could not remember a time when there had been paintings all over the house, but she knew that that had once been the case. The differently shaded marks on the walls bore silent witness to the fact that pictures had hung there. There was a painting to which Jessie knew her mother was very much attached. It was of a small girl with a kitten, and Mamma had told her that it was very like a sister of hers who had died in infancy. One day... When Jessie was about twelve, she had gone with Mamma to pay a visit to the vicarage. Mr. and Mrs. Smedley and Alice had all been there, and as usual, Jessie sat looking on in wonderment at the way in which mother, father and daughter had talked cheerfully together, without raised voices or contemptuous looks. When they had arrived back at home, it was to discover that the squire had returned on horseback, stayed only briefly and gone out again, this time in the carriage. On hearing this news, Mrs. Warburton, shaken by some kind of presentiment, had run upstairs to look for her picture. It had gone, along with several others. The squire's wife was distraught. Jessie so much wanted to comfort her mother, but only dimly understood what was happening and could not think of the right words to say. All she knew for sure was that when the squire returned, there would be a scene. Her hope was that he would go straight off to London and that the shouting would be postponed. Unfortunately, she was to be disappointed. Perhaps Mr. Warburton had thought to evade his wife, for the confrontation between them took place in the square, wood-lined hall. Jessie had taken refuge in the library, which opened out from the hall. Her mother's loss had made her think of her own particular treasure, a pink-and-white shepherdess figurine. She had gone into the library to find it, where she'd placed it in the window seat earlier, to be near her while she was reading. She had not closed the door, so when she heard raised voices, she went to peep through the crack to see what was happening, the figurine in her hand. The squire was dressed for travelling in a tricorn hat placed on top of a brown tie wig a long caped great coat and shiny boots. His clothes looked much newer than anything that she or her mother possessed. He was a tall, well-made man with a strong, square face and rather a high complexion. At moments such as these, before the shouting started, she was conscious of a rush of pride in him and a feeling of wistful longing that he would like her, rather than regard her with his usual cold indifference. "'Where is my painting, Edgar?' her mother was saying. "'What have you done with it?' "'Not now, Chloe!' 
said the squire irritably. I'm due at Maskell's and you're making me late. Due at Maskell's, repeated her mother. What, pray, is so urgent that you must go rushing over to Maskell's? I'm expected, was the short answer. Oh, I'm sure you are, said Mrs. Warburton scathingly. No doubt everyone there is rubbing their hands in gleeful anticipation at the thought of easy pickings. Don't talk about what you know nothing of. A man's entitled to a flutter or two. A flutter or two. Our pictures and furnishings are disappearing by the day, by the hour almost. Our pictures, our furnishings. I'll remind you, woman, that the law says everything here is my property to dispose of as I choose. Half of what is here is mine.